like people should be outraged. People should be marching in the street. How could this be happening? But we don't yeah. see that, right? Because it has been normalized. Hi, everyone. Before we start, I want to take a minute to talk about my next book. You may have heard about the story of GameStop in January or February and thought it was all over. You're sadly mistaken. Unfolding Online has been a clash between the corrupt practices of Wall Street and the hive mind of the internet. It's a hot, raging information war pitting retail investors against financial giants swimming in corruption and fraud. The trailer is at the end of this podcast, but if you want to help crowdfund the book or just find out more, you can sign up to my mailing list to get access to a preview of chapter one or go to whenmoon.com to read more about the book. The first 200 people to pre-order the book will get a free pack of To The Moon crayons with their book. I just want to make a quick mention of our sponsors. Namecheap are one of the cheapest places on the internet to get a domain name for your next website. I've used Namecheap for all the sites I've ever purchased and I've found it really easy to use. Spreaker are a rapidly growing platform for podcast recording, publishing, and monetization with pricing plans as low as $7 per month. A cheap way to host your podcast and start earning from your back catalog of shows. Finally, ExpressVPN is the internet's most trusted VPN. Protect your privacy and watch and view content that is location locked. You can even try watching Netflix from a different country. And right now, they're offering 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN. Please use the links in the description below if you want to support the show. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I am talking with Kirby Summers, who is a former human trafficking survivor and author of numerous books on Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, including her third edition of the brand new book, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, an unauthorized biography. Kirby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Josh. No problem. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because um, while everyone is talking about, let's say, the lawsuit that Virginia Giuffre has brought against Prince Andrew, and by everyone, I mean, finally, mainstream media has something to report. Mm. What I really always want to begin with is the layer of what Alexander Acosta said, which is, I was told to back off that he, Epstein, belonged to intelligence. And so I hope it's, it's okay with you, Josh, that I basically lay the foundation that we're not just talking about people involved in human trafficking, as horrible as that is, but we are talking about a deeply rooted problem, multi-generational intelligence operation. Mm. Yeah, I'd say absolutely anything that you feel is necessary to, to, to <laughs> okay. lay out the story. Okay, terrific. Um, well, as you know, I mean, we're at a mile, milestone. Uh, Virginia on Monday, August of the 9th, uh, one day before the two-year anniversary of Jeffrey Epstein's alleged suicide, uh, filed a historic lawsuit against Prince Andrew, um, of like first degree rape. Um, she was able to do so because of the, there's this law in place for uh, people who were children at the time that they were sexually assaulted. 
And that law was going to expire in another couple of days. And so although her attorney, uh, David Boyes, uh, had attempted for five years, Josh, five years, had wow. attempted to get, I know nobody even talks about the length of time that uh, her attorney has attempted to get him to respond to anything, you know, to letters, to anything. Uh, and it's because she initially, she didn't want another lawsuit, right? I mean, how mm. many lawsuits has she had? But so with the statute of limitations basically hovering over Virginia, she went ahead and sued him. And I think bravo, 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 because I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've noticed it, that it's certainly it's in the news again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a topic that sort of is very easy to slide away that people can, can, you know, be like, oh, that's shocking. And then by the next day, they've kind of like tucked it away in their mind and it, it you know, the, the story disappears. Um, so the, the sustained coverage has been has been really encouraging, actually, for, for getting to the truth here. Right. Now, there seems to be some kind of, because I, I have a very large Twitter following, and I read all the comments as much as I can every single day. Mm. And I have noticed that people are saying things like, well, he'll be extradited and stop. It's a civil lawsuit. It is not a criminal case, right? So uh, what is going to happen is that um, he needs to be served with the lawsuit. And he was in fact, um, and, and when I say he, uh, David Boys on behalf of Virginia Dufresne did get permission to serve Prince Andrew. Um, and so that means that once Prince Andrew was served, I would think within the next couple of days, um, he has, I believe, 21 days to respond. If he does not respond, which has been his fallback position for so many years, mm -hmm. he basically, the lawsuit will go on without him because it's still a lawsuit. Um, it's just no longer a request. And he will face the possibility of uh, losing by default. And so I think people okay. don't understand that this is not criminal, that although it might, so for example, remember when Virginia sued Ghislaine Maxwell? Yes. That too was a civil lawsuit. However, during, before Ghislaine settled with Virginia in 2017, the lawsuit had commenced in 2015. During those two years, there was a period of discovery. So there were depositions, there were documents. And in fact, it's those very documents that are being um, requested from the court during the last two years. So that if Prince Andrew decides to go ahead with and fight Virginia, which makes no sense to me, frankly, there's going to be like, you know, information that's going to be cleaned. Now, during the time that Ghislaine Maxwell was being deposed, for example, in that lawsuit, she lied. Well, today, part of the uh, federal case against her includes two, uh, two, two kind of like um, two charges of perjury. So he's got to walk the line very carefully because what happens even in a civil lawsuit could trigger, you understand, additional, if he lies, then that in the future might 
then trigger a federal case because you don't mm -hmm. lie. You're not yeah, supposed you, to, you know, you're supposed to follow the law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, under oath, it's, it's, yeah, you're opening a whole different set of crimes if you're lying in court or found to be. Um, so you said there that you you wanted to lay out that the the fact that this is um, this is not just uh, like a single case um, or not like just a story of of human trafficking. This is a story about um, intelligence agencies and um, multiple people with a with a lot of power. So do, do you wanna do you wanna give um, like a an overview of 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 yeah essentially that that side of 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 this entire story that maybe people aren't familiar with. Well, I think that um, the people who are not familiar with it are perhaps people who are still getting their news on regular television, right? Where <laughs> yeah. people getting their news, because all of us, we know what's going on. Uh, but even those, uh, those who have followed this case, like it, it, by the time somebody finishes reading uh, my book that I dropped last month, Ghislaine Maxwell, an unauthorized biography, mm -hmm. they will understand that uh, intelligence agencies use honey trap operations, but they will also understand that, that they are interconnected. So I have an example in, in that book and I use, and I'm not gonna name the person I use, but I use uh, an example of a well-known model who stepped forward and outed another prince who in fact Jeffrey Epstein knew um, and who has not been made public necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it, will, it will have connected what appeared on the surface to be another trafficking ring in another country. So in that case, it was uh, Paris, uh, you know, France, mm -hmm. and then I think, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're a guy from the UK, right? Yeah. Okay. So you remember J Jimmy Savile. Yes. And so like all of these, yeah, they're, they're, they're like spidery webs, right? They're interconnected uh, to intelligence agencies. And I don't know if you remember or know that when Prince Charles, that would be Andrew's older brother, um, when Jimmy Savile became, I think it was either 70 or 80, one of his milestone birthdays, um, Prince Charles gave him a, a lovely gift with, with, with a very interesting note that I guess no one was meant to understand. And bottom line, and I don't remember it verbatim, but it's that the world will never know how much you have helped us. Now in your mind, as you hear me say that, doesn't that remind you of what was said when Robert Maxwell was buried, that yeah. no one will know, right? Yeah, that is that is a really stunning. Um, wow, that that that's that is shocking. And I mean, this is the yeah, the entire story is, is filled with shocking things. The the whole way through, um, when I've been when I've been reading your book, is, is the, the words that just keep coming out of my mouth. I'm just sitting there flicking page after page, being like, "Holy shit!" Like that's <laughs> those. those that, that, that was the, the, the overwhelming expression that came out of my mouth sitting reading the book. Um, well, which part really jumped out at you, Josh? Um, I guess the, well, the, there was a, there was quite a few. Well, I mean, it's it, the whole thing is 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 particularly stunning. I mean, the the thing that 
um, one of the ones that I kept a note actually that I wanted to mention here was um, when you were you mentioned that the FBI documents show there was concern about Robert Maxwell having access to the U.S. nuclear database, and and yes. just that that specific fact, I I remember like just springing out at me and just the, just the questions that 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 roll through your mind is like, what is this guy doing with access to these things? Why is no one saying right. anything about this? Why is nothing right. being done about this? Like what connections well, that. are that he, does he have that yeah yeah please do yeah well um robert maxwell had been um under surveillance by the fbi and specifically j edgar hoover actually from the 1950s mm. um and and i think that that's included in my book um however mm. j edgar hoover was also blackmailed. Um, he was gay at a time that it was not fashionable to be gay or acceptable at his time to be gay. Um, but he was he had been blackmailed by the head of the CIA at the time who hired because the CIA partnered during World War II with the mob. And so they partnered with the mob and there are two guys who went ahead and got some compromising photographs of J. Edgar Hoover, not just with his alleged lover, Clyde Tolson, who was his number two guy at the FBI, but he was also a patron, by the way, of another child trafficking operation that was held at the plaza. So we fast forward to Robert Maxwell becoming involved in the sale of the compromised version of Inslaw's Promise, which is the um, database, that software that's able to track people. Um, he goes ahead and he blackmails, not only blackmails, but he bribes John Tower, who was a senator from Texas for a very, very long time, just before he's about to retire. He pays him, I believe it was like, $200,000 a year or a quarter of a million dollars somewhere in that neighborhood each year as sort of a retainer to be quote a consultant but what that does is tower turns around and says okay for that I can get you into Ronald Reagan's White House and frankly I will open the door to any place that you want and so that is how um, Robert Maxwell with his handler Rafi Eitan from the Mossad, right, was able to access Sandia laboratories, um, you know, not far from where Jeffrey Epstein had a home in New Mexico, by the way, and to sell them this, this um, modified version of Promise, which had a backdoor allowing the Israelis to have our nuclear secrets of the United States. Two employees, two scientists, became a little worried about Robert Maxwell. So they contacted the FBI in, in, I think it was in San Francisco because Robert Maxwell had a company that in fact was being sort of looked after by another daughter, Isabel Maxwell, who lived in San Francisco at the time. That was 1984, he had a front company. Um, and the FBI began an investigation and wouldn't you know it, they were told we're shutting this down. And that's because J. 
Edgar Hoover was compromised. Wow. I mean, like, so Maxwell yeah. was an untouchable. Yeah. Your your knowledge is 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 stunning. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, yeah, the recall uh, abilities that you've got on, on this story that like the depth of knowledge is, is absolutely amazing, I have to say. Um, like, there's one thing to write it all down, to, be able to recall it um, is, is, yeah, even more um, impressive. Uh, the the yeah. thing that, that, that really, that really, I don't know, it gets under my skin a little bit. Um, I mean, aside from some of the horrific acts that um, the that you yeah you write about yeah. in, in the book uh and and that people have gone through is that uh the, the implication of a lot of what you're writing is, is saying that the the u.s government to some level is just completely compromised uh by um Mossad or or whoever is yeah or whoever was uh, in charge of or or set loose um Jeffrey Epstein and um, Gillian Maxwell and and just the 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 entire operation surrounding surrounding them, uh, like how how compromised do you think? Yeah, the U.S. and and well, not just America, but like uh, the Western governments are by by this ring. I happen to believe that it goes back um, for many many years. Um, I think I can pinpoint, and I know that I do so in some of my books, uh, John F. Kennedy with information that I obtained firsthand. Um, so uh, starting from just before JFK was um, running for president, um, in walks Michelle Amrickless, uh, who's an extreme Zionist with connections to, I mean, even Joe Biden, um, so, you know, both sides of the political fence um, have been compromised. And he walked in to the Pierre Hotel on the invitation of uh, Kennedy's father, Joe Kennedy Sr., who, if you remember, was a bootlegger. Mm -hmm. um, and um, he basically told then young Kennedy that if he wanted money and he had on him, $200,000 uh, to give to him. So when I say give to him, what I mean is bribe because that's what you do when you hand somebody a trove of cash, right? So he yeah. hands him a trove of cash, $200,000 worth. And at one time, Josh, this was actually in major mainstream media newspaper reports, okay? However, you know, I've been studying this case and some of its characters for about 20 years. So I know it intimately. Um, so uh, JFK accepted the money because he was pressured by his father. And, and so JFK did not want, and, and uh, let me just backtrack, when Michelle Amrickless handed him the $200,000, he basically said, and he was standing there with several men, other extreme Zionists, uh, he basically said, well, you get this and you get more if you do what we tell you for Israel. Mm. So, you know, all of them have been compromised, both sides of the aisle for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it's, um, it's, really, it's really strange how um, all of this power seems to emanate from, from 
Israel and under intelligence services. Um, I was speaking to um, Maram Susli, who's a, like a YouTuber, citizen journalist, um, who's been writing a lot about the 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 Israel Palestine conflict and about um, the Syrian civil war, and and she, she brought up Mossad and the power of them to sort of yeah. To, to stop the, the US government intervening in a way that she believes that they should or that they would um, were they not compromised in, in some way. Uh, when, when the, the moments when, when you, when I, especially when I'm reading your book or when I've been um, just looking into anything like this in the past, uh, before I became aware of your work has been, it's it's like pulling back the curtain on a world that that people sort of don't even realize exists. And I, I guess like one of the things I wanted to ask was like what what is your sort of estimation on on how how common these these practices are and and how much like this sort of um, these sorts of operations are are going on behind the scenes? Like is this is this like a really isolated thing? And I mean I guess I don't expect that to be your answer. But um, yeah, yeah. Is, well, is I'll this, tell you this, yeah. Josh. Our world is really not what it seems. Um, the judges, for the most part, have been compromised. There was at least the name of one judge. Uh, I, if I recall, it's uh, John Roberts um, mm -hmm. on Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs. Um, there are many. Um, people who are compromised. Um, if you recall initially with Jeffrey Epstein's case in Palm Beach, who were the first people to be compromised? The police department, right? right. So if they can compromise the police department, which we have seen by mainstream media reporting that they did, and we can see through sort of looking for this information in court documents that they did, they actually do that on every layer. So you've got the local police department and then you have your elected officials all the way up to the White House. So for example, let's take Bill Clinton. He's been compromised since his days in Arkansas. Mm. And, and um, at one time he was alerted um, when he was in office of having a spy in the White House, and I include that in my book, my third edition of Jeffrey Epstein, Predator Spy. What mm. did he do when the FBI said to him, Mr. President, we have a spy. And you know what the president did? He turned around and said, end the investigation, kind of similar to what the FBI did when Robert Maxwell was trying to, you know, who succeeded in stealing, right? So. Mm. Clinton ended the investigation. It went no further. In my book, I revealed the name of who was in his White House. And, and I mean, all, but all the dots are like a puzzle. They fit perfectly together. Mainstream media either does not want to because, you know, they, they are called the fourth estate, right? Mm -hmm. And if you go back to the hearings um, back in the 1950s, 1960s, when they were um, eavesdropping on the black movement on Martin Luther King, you know, when they were sending false letters to him to make him react. Well, yeah. there was an investigation and it was discovered at that time that, well, oh my goodness, and this is 1960s, that 
normal people were being spied on. Well, this has been ongoing. It's never really, I mean, we're all kind of, I mean, Edward, Edward Snowden basically told us uh, you, you, kind of not too long ago what was going on, but this has been ongoing now for what, 40 years? Mm. More than 40 years, what, 60 yeah. years? Yeah. And so, so it's, I think what, what I'm trying to say is that we live in a world that looks a certain way. Our movies tell us certain things that sound outrageous because if you hear something, let's say a song, and if you listen to a lot of our songs, they include a woman in the room basically taking off her blouse, make the children, they, you know, they should participate. Well, mainstream media music and movies basically do the same thing to all of us. See it happen in the Epstein case because we should have, and I think you would agree that we should have more of an out, like people should be outraged. People should be marching in the street. How could mm. this be happening? But we don't yeah. see that, right? Because it has been normalized. Mm. Do you think it's because it's been, it's been normalized or do you think it's because people can't stand to face the idea that some of these horrific things are are actually happening on a day-to-day -day basis and not just in the past like are still ongoing my personal opinion um having looked at this for a very long time is that the other thing that we are trained since we're children is to be competitive right mm -hmm. we put ourselves first um it's it's to um be better than the Joneses, right? I mean, sort of like that. So it's become a very me, me, me society, a very, a society that is um, a consumer society, right? We're not told to, let's say, for example, mind our neighbor. Mm -hmm. We're not taught that those things matter. You're taught that, you know, you should beat the other person. Um, yeah. So I, I think that 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 part of it is how we have been as a society. Um, we're so self-absorbed, most, most people are, that mm. when something happens to your neighbor or to someone you don't know, you're going to go on about your business because your life is the most important. When mm. the reality is that it is humankind, that we are all equally important and without a, a com combined effort, um, which I hope is happening, right? I hope we're turning the, the page. I hope that people are waking up, right? They're waking up to, to many things that are happening, the weather, right? <laughs> the yeah. crooked politicians. Mm -hmm. What's happening with Prince Andrew is, is a very, I hate to call it a, a good thing, but it's a silver lining because it's, it sheds light on the evil that does exist. And I think that collectively people want to do good, right? You want to be able, especially women, women are born to nurture mm -hmm. and our men learn from, because we're the mothers, mm. we're the sisters, we're the aunts, right? We're the wives, we're the mm. girlfriends. I think men can learn from us once we become sort of a unified front. Mm. Mm, that's a really beautiful message, actually. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing that you can still remain so positive, having looked into some of the darkest things that, that you know, happen in, 
in in our society uh it's uh yeah a real credit to you that you're able to you're able to remain um positive and, and hopeful that that things are now coming to light that will and that people are as you put it waking up to to the reality of, of what's been going on for for well far too long but the, yeah i i think you could be right we're, we're we're i think we're at some sort of of uh of turning point hopefully um uh, do you think that um because i i i have seen things like this come to light before um and and you know hit the news uh there was uh, when uh, jeffrey epstein got arrested um when julian maxwell has been arrested and detained and, and um uh when when prince andrew was first confronted about about this uh when he did the the interview on on bbc newsnight and right. I, i've often thought that we're at that, those moments that maybe we're at a turning point and that then things have just gone back to you know everyone's sort of just forgotten that these things happen uh, do what makes you say that this is different this time and like that's not to say that i don't think that you're right but i'm just curious as to what makes you think that this is the this is like a a significant moment um i think it takes uh um it, it did just like it did not happen overnight one one moment will not change everything. I think there it does take um, many moments. So the BBC interview, let's say Julie Brown's investigation that was, you know, in the Miami Herald of uh, Virginia Dufresne's unstoppable spirit. Mm. Um, I think it takes a combination of events and the persistence of not just one person, but a group of people that collectively then change um, the course of, you're gonna have to change this because otherwise it, we're living in a world that's pretty ugly. And I think that the people that are aware, such as yourself, your listeners, my followers, people who read my books, they're doing so because they want, every day somebody wants to know, what can I do? Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. that difficult, right? You just, you, 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 you uh, respond to this and you, you amplify Virginia's voice, let's say. You, you, if your neighbor is screaming for help, you do something. Uh, you, you don't ignore um, the pain of other people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's something that, that, that a lot of people then ask and, and a lot of people sort of, think and and might discuss these these things and might have been discussing um say like jeffrey epstein and some of um some of his uh horrific crimes in the past but sort of thought well if these people are so powerful what can we do against them and and i think you're right is that you have to you have to start by by speaking and saying that this is happening and, and it's not okay and, and that's that's where the the fight back begins because when it's all in darkness and, and shadows that's when they win right now what you what i think most people understand is that the jeffrey epstein story was never supposed to be heard right so when you mm -hmm. earlier said something that was very apropos you used the term something that we're looking behind the curtain that's exactly what's, what's happening jeffrey epstein 
at that point, he was already on a 30 plus year crime spree, right? Mm -hmm. He had been involved yeah. in other crimes. He had been involved in a pyramid scheme and he had been in, involved with a Leslie Wexner connected to the CIA and Southern, Southern Transport Airlines, with, which was connected to Iran-Contra, mm -hmm. which was, you know, they, Epstein and Wexner helped move from Florida to Ohio when it became known that they were transferring drugs for guns. Um, I think that um, we, were, we were never supposed to see it. We're seeing it. Some of us have different pieces of the puzzle. Um, when Jeffrey Epstein was murdered, and by the way, most people do not know that one day before he was murdered, he was ready to plea. It was on Twitter. It had made no mainstream way. media. No way. I did not yes. know that. No, but nobody does. You know why? Because they scrubbed it. So he was ready to plea. He was going to get a five year. He was, they were asking for five years. He was ready to say, and again, this is in my book, Jeffrey Epstein, Predator Spy, the third edition. Um, he was, he was ready to um, reveal the names of the people who had paid not the people that he gifted to. So for example, we know that Prince Andrew was gifted someone like then, you know, very innocent, young, underage, Virginia Dufresne, among others, by the way, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. Um, however, and it was on social media. And I remember responding to one or two of those tweets and saying something like, oh, well, that means that those that he gifted to are not going to be named and then he was dead the following day and but then it was scrubbed so just i believe about a week or so ago i brought this up again in a tweet and people were like no that didn't happen so you know what i did josh i pulled up my screenshot hmm. of and I, <laughs> I put it up there and people were like oh yeah it really happened oh, but that, that they're rewriting nice, history yeah. Yeah, they're 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 scrubbing everything. I mean, literally, somebody told me today, you've become the biographer of our time in the Jeffrey Epstein, Glenn Maxwell case. Mm, yeah, I saw that tweet, and that's I think I think they they they've summed up um, very accurately. Um, like uh, the one of the things that shocked me when I first came across your work was just like the extent of your of your catalog of of work that you you like yeah you're dedicating your life to to making sure that people know what has gone on um with these with these people and and like the the, the fucked up stuff that they've they've been doing and uh, and all of the people that they've been connected to either attempting to compromise successfully compromising or um yeah working on behalf of uh it's uh yeah yeah the body of work is is incredibly extensive and and again like a, a testament to your your commitment to to trying to out the the truth really well yeah i mean i i was part of uh i was part of that for a very long time you know i was i was uh turned into someone i did not want to be for a mm. very wealthy man who was connected to all of these people and um you don't you know i didn't know how to protect myself at the time and even after i walked away eight years afterwards um, I still didn't know how to protect myself or 
or even what to wear. You know, I was, mm. I did, I'd forgotten what I looked like unless I looked into a mirror. It, it, it was horrible, but um, slowly I began to realize that um, I could help others, that I had been through something horrific. And so it, it, it took a while. To, you know, and, and I didn't know it. And I, whenever I went to an attorney, I would be told, oh my goodness, your story is so different. Is there another woman who can step forward and say, well, today we know there are thousands yeah. of women like me, right? Yeah. But at the time, people would look at me and say, well, we've never heard of anything like a sex slave. Like, you know, what happened to you and with who, a billionaire? And it, it, it was considered so over the top but that's what I tell people. And in fact, I have a chapter in, in my book. It says, if it's over the top, that's, the, that's how it's planned. So that when you do tell someone, oh, well, gee, you know, a 14 year old girl saying that she had to have sex, like say, for example, with, with Bill Clinton or Prince Andrew. Well, no, that can't be true because that doesn't happen in real life. Well, you know, we're, we have found out that it does happen in real life. Yeah. Yeah, we really have. Um... I mean, I guess I, the, the, the moment that I realized that, that this story was going truly mainstream was when um, Netflix did their, their, their documentary series, Filthy Rich. And I was like, okay, wow, this is, this is like becoming more acceptable to talk about. Because the, there had been people sort of mentioning it in, in quiet circles and, uh, you know, um, in the dark corners of the internet for a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the the when yeah when when Netflix released their their documentary, which is um, a good starting point for anyone trying to trying to understand um, what's going on. But I mean, it really only scratches the surface. Like your books, um, or at least the one I've read, really uh, lays out a lot more details of of uh, in in the case of Jillian Maxwell is like how how she was how she grew up, how she was shaped and and how, how she became yeah the, the 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 monster basically that that, that she yeah. became yeah as far as i i was also happy to see um filthy rich become a documentary while they omit the intelligence angle and they don't yeah. necessarily discuss let's say leslie wexner mm -hmm. um yeah he gets a very uh, small it, part yeah, it's kind of like um, Epstein 101 because they really don't even go into Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, but it is a good entry point. Um, it's, it's um, uh, I mean, so for example, Alan Dershowitz is now suing Netflix <laughs> because of that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've always, it's really interesting because I, I'm sure you've seen The Godfather, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, Al Pacino and all of that. And, and there was a conciliary for, and I forget who played him, but I've always seen Alan Dershowitz as the conciliary for uh, the Mossad because and I'll give you one last story that I don't know if most people know. So when Robert Maxwell, Israel's super spy, was released, and that book was written by Gordon Thomas and uh, Martin Dillon, um, Glenn Maxwell's sister, Isabel, uh, 
obtained a copy. Now the copy was not available to anyone. Somehow she managed to get a copy. She read it and um, she just, she from San Francisco, she hopped on a plane, she took it to Israel. She sat down, showed it to the then prime minister and to the head of the Mossad. Um, so what happens afterwards? Alan Dershowitz writes a scathing review and I forget in which newspaper, but I wanna say the Washington Post, I could be wrong. Scathing review for the book, so much so that the book had almost no sales in the United States. And Thomas Dillon was left scratching his head and wondering why this attorney, <laughs> Alan Dershowitz would write a review about their book. Well, so because cool. isn't it weird? Well, who was, who was one of the people who bought my book on Glenn? Isabel Maxwell. At that moment in time, I danced around my apartment because I'm like, bravo for me, because if they were afraid of Gordon Thomas, Martin Dillon's book, they're afraid of my book and for good reason because I you know I I only cite the truth and I cite all my sources by the way mm -hmm. yeah yeah that, that was one of the things that, that, that I was really impressed with actually was just how how well yeah how well sourced everything was that I guess I guess you've got to be ironclad in exactly what you're saying and where your information is coming from when you're talking about such um powerful people and sensitive topics um or yeah people could come at you um now i'm aware that uh i've taken up a lot of your time here there was just there was one more uh thing that i wanted sure. to uh get to um was that you mentioned um that uh delane's crimes and sexual assault and rape is um maybe not covered in to the same extent as as uh Epstein's and in in the book actually you you sort of ex quite explicitly lay out uh, that that she was um, just as guilty in in all of the, everything that was going on. It's not like she was some innocent sort of side woman. Uh, why do you think that her involvement is 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 sort of overlooked to to well, not even overlooked? That's 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 a poor way of putting it. But it's um, not not discussed or, or or played up in the way that that um it is with with uh with jeffrey epstein i think several several reasons come to play um number one if you recall when investigators in palm beach uh sort of got on to the jeffrey epstein case of mm -hmm. uh you know, minors being sexually assaulted. They weren't even talking about being trafficked at the time. Yeah. Local newspapers talked about Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, but they were also um, slandering the children so that, again, Alan Dershowitz uh, would go onto their MySpace pages and say something derogatory about the child. They label a child a prostitute, which is an impossible thing, labeled child a drug yeah. addict, but uh, there was, nobody was really writing about his right-hand person, his partner in crime, allegedly, yeah. uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. And so yeah. that continued. And I think because even today, I get very annoyed, I'm sure you do and everybody too, that a mainstream media continues to call her a socialite. And, and that's because oh, yeah. she is the daughter of Robert Maxwell, who although a fantastic thief, right? A horrific man who lied about his own 
Wealth, who lied about who he was, just like Jeffrey Epstein later would do. He would lie about his wealth because he was never a billionaire. He would lie about who he was because honestly, he was a spy, right? Um, Glenn Maxwell has been protected by the, um, the friends of Robert Maxwell, who made it into uh, main, you know, he, he was a mainstream media guy, you know, even though they were tabloids. So who, what do you have reporting? You have the Rupert Murdoch newspapers, right? And you have all, all of these media connections are, are, you know, again, part of that system. So they're only, they're not, they're only reporting basics. So let's say if one of her attorneys Wilde's emotion, which they have done repeatedly, you know, asking, for example, for her to be released on bail mm-hmm. or asking for all kinds of silly things. That's such um, a joke, only, isn't it? Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, they only report on the superficial stuff, right? I mean, they don't necessarily delve into it and, 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 and give anyone a history of what she has really done. Uh, so at this moment in time, there are only four um victims uh alleged victims who are in the lawsuit that the united states has against her um but as i have stated before i do not believe that lawsuit is going to proceed in a normal way uh it can't i mean she still is um part of the jeffrey epstein case and i'm gonna go back to how i started it and alexander acosta said he belonged to intelligence back off and that will happen with her as well. Yeah. Well, um, Kirby, I want to, I want to really thank you for your time. Um, uh, there, I have so much respect for, for anyone, um, who, who takes the, the brave step of, of challenging, um, and, and speaking out against, against people in, in positions of power, especially when, yeah, their, their reach uh, seemingly extends to the highest reaches or to the highest um, the highest parts of, of governments around the world. Uh, so um, much respect to you for, for everything you've done and um, I'm sure we'll continue to do. Uh, so yeah, thank yeah you. no problem. Um, thank you for, for your work. It's, uh, yeah. So um, if people want to check out any of your books um, and your Twitter oh, profile. Oh, they can just go to my website, yeah. Uh, which is kirbysummers.com summers with an o two m's perfect um, i will put the link me on twitter with the same name yeah i will put the links for for all that in the description below if people want to want to check it out but yes um thank you very much uh kirby it's been it's been oh, a this pleasure has been, yeah it's been nice chatting with you thank you for doing shows like this and please keep doing them <laughs> i will until they sew my mouth shut um <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, onwards and upwards for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. Don't forget our sponsor, ExpressVPN, and my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, can both be found in the links in the description below. And also, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It's the best way to help us grow. Until next time, thanks for listening. Screw the hedge funds. You can make as many rules as you want, but if there's no teeth behind them, what's the point? Well, like Citadel is potentially just gone in a few months.
It feels like financial institutions, that they are all laughing at us by buying GME. <laughs> Screw the hedge funds. Like, I will lose my entire investment if it brings them down. Why on earth, last May, could you buy the entire company for $200 million? What's been happening on Reddit and in social media and in the marketplace? has never been seen before. I argue that nothing is off the table. There is nothing off the table when dealing with the volumes of money in something as big as the United States uh, stock market. The hedge funds have clearly underestimated a group of a group of people raised on Friday night World of Warcraft raids. Dark pools, they are they're another uh, mechanism to manipulate and cheat. Mainstream journalists don't say these things for a number of reasons. Uh, one is their sources are the people that I'm talking about, and so they can't call somebody a crook. Super Stonk and the other communities that have emerged are a hive mind, the likes of which we have never seen before. It's madness and brilliance, insanity and genius all rolled into one. It's very possible that Citadel will be gone in a few months. And, and not just Citadel, but the entire financial system has the potential to come crashing down. These crooks continue to gamble recklessly with the world economy, and this could be the moment that they finally get their justice. <laughs>